In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Our Atlanta United tied Orlando City 3-3 on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of a MLS single-game record crowd of 70,425 people. I'm here with Alicia Delgado, who covers Orlando City for the Orlando Sentinel. Alicia, what do you think of the game? Definitely an exciting game in front of a large crowd for Orlando City. Um, some positive things in that they scored three goals. And they, I know I was looking at stats earlier, Atlanta has scored scored 10 goals entering this match in the past two games. And it took Orlando City the past 12 games to score <laughs> 10 goals. So seeing them score these three goals uh, was a positive step. But again, they, they couldn't stop... Um, stop Atlanta from also scoring three goals uh, to close out the match. They really wanted the three points, so disappointment there. The It must be a little bit encouraging, though, for Orlando City supporters, I would think, that there was a, a plan of attack and that both uh, Lyle, <laughs> Dom Dwyer, and Kyle Laren were scoring the goals because that's what they expected when they traded for Dwyer weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, so it's taken a little time for those two to come together. Um, part of that was Dom Dwyer came and then was in and out of the lineup. Right. He went to All-Star Week. He had a nose uh, injury. He broke his nose. He had to get surgery on it. He was playing with a mask, which was uncomfortable for him. So Kyle and Dom really have only been fully training and playing together the past kind of like three weeks or mm -hmm. so. So I think you're seeing the fruits of that. And then also um, with Kaka suspended for this match and out, um, uh, last game too, uh, him and uh, those two and Giles Barnes have been working together uh, pretty consistently as well and I think you're seeing the fruits of that in this game. How important is Orlando City's finish to its future in terms of who they select, who they go forward with, Christ will get a full year, another full year, you yeah. know, a good off season to pick and choose, you've got the Kaka issue hanging out there, but how important is it to finish strong for, for next year? Yeah, I think it's really important. I think if you there's enough games left where if they perform well enough in these games, it could change the attitude entering the season, mm -hmm. not only of the fan base, but of the ownership. Right. So there's a difference between, okay, yeah, you're probably not playing for playoffs anymore, but you're, you're playing for pride, you're playing for dignity, and you're playing to keep your job. Right. So if you change the attitude and you change the emotions and you give them hope and think, okay, well, now things are starting to get together, imagine what they could be uh, next year I think um, the coaching staff buys themselves time and certain players could also you know uh, keep their spots next year 
Now, you and I have been to a lot of MLS stadiums mm-hmm. around the league. I was curious yeah. your initial impressions of this, a multi-purpose football slash soccer stadium. Yeah. Well, look, it's always impressive when you go to the games at the football stadiums, right? The Seattle Seahawks stadium is beautiful as well. They fill that up. So, um, But this was – it's a pretty cool stadium. Um, the setup I like, the big round uh, – what is that? Halo, Halo board. Yeah. Halo board. Uh, really cool. The, it was loud in here. Dome was closed. I'd like to see what it is, what it's like open. Right. Um, but overall, it's it's great. It's just a question of whether uh, the turf is going to be an issue moving forward for the team. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see that too. Um, now, after the game, Atlanta United manager Gerardo Martino said he thought his team deserved to win. They had more chances. I'm curious about what uh, Christ had to say after the game. Same thing. Same thing. That's what I thought. <laughs> yep. Don't don't all coaches say that when they don't get a win? Uh, yeah, said basically the same thing that he thought again, um, and he says this basically after every match. Um, thought they deserved more out of the game. There are a few instances where they could have taken advantage or could have done things a little bit differently to kind of stop the attack a little bit. They also lost a, a big piece when Johnson Spector left the game. Uh, it was, you know, he's a leadership mm-hmm. on the back line. He's been out the past five games with a knee injury. So mm-hmm. he came back, said he felt a little pain and stiffness in the second half, so they took him off. Um, so there, he was a difference maker, I felt, in the first half, too, as far as the attack when Miguel would get on breakaways and he had that tackle, which Atlanta fans weren't happy about. Right. Um, but, you know, certain small things like that, I think, um, made the difference in the second half. Now, what do you think going forward, 70,425 fans, what does that mean for Major League Soccer, if anything? It means that Atlanta City's going to need a bigger stadium. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's each year I'm hearing the same kind of talk and the same kind of phrases uh, from the league applied to different teams, the new teams that come in. So each year, you know, Orlando City was the benchmark coming in when they filled up, you know, had over 40,000 fans at their USL or 60,000 fans at their season opener. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were the benchmark and they were the shining example and those are some of the same phrases that Don Garber used today to describe Atlanta so now 70,000 it goes from 60 to 70,000 like that's the new benchmark so it's just gonna be interesting to see where it goes from from here now you have one maybe two teams in the league that can draw this type of crowd Um, this larger crowd does that does that continue to grow and soon you know a couple years from now are are you having sold-out football stadiums for soccer games for in most markets. Right. That would be interesting. That was the most interesting thing, I thought, from uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber's uh, talk to us at halftime, that he seemed to give a little bit of wiggle room to the idea of soccer-specific stadiums, yeah. uh, depending upon the market. I don't think I've heard him say that before. Uh, but he said after the success of Atlanta United and after the success that Seattle had, they both lead the league in attendance. Seattle's been the longtime leader. Uh, that there might be a little wiggle room on that for some of the uh, upcoming expansion cities. That would be a huge financial difference uh, yeah. for some for some of the candidates. And frankly, it would be a stumbling block that would be eliminated for some of the candidates in terms of public financing to try to get their own places uh, or, the, or the public financing they would like to, to build their own places. What else did you learn from uh, Don Garber's speech, if anything? Yeah, you know, I think that was a big, that was a burning question in my mind 
quite some time and I know that it has been in Orlando as well because you're seeing some of the teams enter the league after all this talk about soccer specific stadiums like this is a must you have to have a stadium to join the league but then you see teams joining the league with not soccer specific mm -hmm. stadiums so um, you know why that was happening and if that that mentality was changing um, and what was changing it is is what I wanted to know and I think I think he answered it you know you have a business plan you want to make it clear to people that that's your business plan but then an opportunity arises that might you know make you shift that plan and that's what's happening it's kind of makes me um, think I mean, it just falls in line with what MLS has been all along, right? right. The rules are ever-changing, right. <laughs> the strategy is ever-changing, but I think it's what's been needed, like that fluidity to make things work. And now, I mean, people aren't surprised when there's changes every year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, yeah, that was really the only thing I learned. He said a lot of complimentary things, as he typically does in every market, and I've heard he told the story about how we didn't, we weren't sure how soccer was going to work in Atlanta, and Arthur convinced us. I've heard that story several times. Uh, not to be critical of Don, but there were some new ears there that may not have heard it. Um, anyway, it was a it was a pretty fun night. It was an interesting game. Uh, I don't think Atlanta United showed any fatigue. This was their third game in seven days. I was impressed by that. If anything, you know. Uh, they played a good game of, uh, you know, strong attack as usual, but third game in six days, like, to come out with that energy and, and to be able to tie a game 3-3. Right. I do, I do wonder if they mentally were a little bit tired, and that may have contributed to two of Orlando City's goals that occurred within no more than three minutes after Atlanta United's goals. They both actually were exactly three minutes. Yeah, okay, both yeah. Both times. Right. Um, but to Orlando City's credit, there, there were two fantastic crosses that came in on the goal uh, by Dwyer's second goal and Laren's only goal. Yeah. Fantastic crosses that were put in. Um, so what does Orlando City have next? Orlando City's got Portland. Uh, closes out a four-game oh, wow. a four-game road trip uh, to Portland next week, and then they Great come city. home for three games, and then they end the season. Philadelphia. They have fewer games left than Atlanta, and then a lot of teams. Um, and they really needed this three points tonight. So not to say, I mean, their their playoff chances were minuscule already. Right. Um, but certainly three points would have continued to keep that hope alive. Um, one point doesn't really change much for them. Right. I think I saw 538 gave them a less than 1% chance of the playoffs. And oh, they no, had they're to at 3%. Out. Oh, 3%. But they had to win out, basically. They're at 3%. <laughs> they were at 3% after the win last week against DC United. Right. They were at less than one before that. Okay. So they, can, they remain at 3%, I believe. I think dropping the two points tonight pretty much killed Atlanta United's chances of catching uh, it, there's small chances of catching NYC for second mm -hmm. in the East. If they won out, there was a chance that could happen, but because it didn't, uh, I think that's done. So third might be the best that they can reach uh, in the playoffs. And that's not a bad thing for an, an expansion team. Yeah. Tell everybody what you've got coming up this week uh, that they might want to click on and how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, this week uh, you can always follow me on social media on Twitter at OSAliciaD. And uh, obviously all my stuff is on OrlandoSentinel.com. I have a game uh, recap up right now. I'll have a notebook on some of the Garber stuff. I, I kind of broke out the different Garber items. So I'll have a few other things I talked to him off to the side about um, 
the All-Star Game potentially going to Orlando too because that's been a big deal. It's supposed to go there by 2019 and it's been held up in the city a little bit. Right. So talk to him about that. I'll have that up. I'll have what we talked about up a little later too. Um, and then uh, next week, just daily Orlando City stuff. Uh, also the Orlando Pride are on quite the run in NWSL. Okay. Uh, probably will be making the playoffs in their second year and uh, the NWSL championship is being held in Orlando in October so they're hoping to be part of that in their own town nice. stadium. Now I thought I read that Orlando wasn't more interested in 2019 MLS All-Star game. Yeah, 2019. And would it be at Camping World Stadium because I assume they're going to bring in a European powerhouse and would want to sell as many tickets as possible. Yes, likely Camping World Stadium. Okay. So part of the reason why um, you have to get the city involved and, and things like that but there's also an option to like for the um, World Cup qualifiers or anything bigger events like that um, to expand seating uh, oh, okay. at the Orlando City Stadium I'm not sure how big you know they can go because they haven't done it yet right but there, there's a few options there okay Alright, well thank you very much. And as usual, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And you can subscribe uh, to this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, on iTunes. And a lot of you have been doing so and downloading the programs, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, tomorrow I'll have the player ratings from tonight's game up and possibly a follow story. I'm not sure yet. I need to go through the tapes and listen. I've already posted the man of the match, the by the numbers, the five observations, and the match? game. My man of the match. I had two. <laughs> what? Uh, I had Joseph Martinez, and I did the fans as a man of the match. We're setting the MLS record. Uh, but anyway, that's it for this edition, and thank you very much. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.